0: On myforecast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Stop Look and Listen. I'm your host, Latroy Gardner. This week we have entrepreneur, author, real estate valuation coach, Mark Jackson, better known to us as MJ. Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing? Troy, it was just great,
1: man. I I can't thank you enough for the invitation and the opportunity to care and share with the Stop, Look, Listen audience. Thank you for inviting me. It's a joy to be
0: here with you, man. Oh, no problem. No problem. Uh, Real estate is an area that many of us are interested in. Some are afraid to dip their toe in for the first time. Others are seasoned professionals. So I'm looking forward to... Gaining your expertise on all fronts. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think the main thing is that everybody knows real estate works. It's just mm-hmm. having that confidence, that feeling of control that surely it will work for them as well. We, you know, historically, this is the dynamic to a number of different um, speakers or coaches or family members have talked about uh, whether they've done it themselves or not, they will quote that the, you know, most millionaires, the most, um, wealth that's ever been built has been built on real estate. And you know the, the real estate is not that it's, it's not some for everybody because it always continues to change hands, um, generation mm-hmm. over generation over generation. So you said it best and I'm just kind of framing it up. It's like, everyone knows it worked. They just need to get this position to know that it will
0: work for. Right. And as you see in the background, investor comps is is this company. We'll delve into that a little bit as well. But um, let's let's talk about your humble beginnings. Talk about the journey growing up in poverty uh, to the point where you are now becoming such a successful entrepreneur. You know um, that that
1: that you make a good point. So going back and being humble when you think when I think about uh, my mom and my dad who both yeah you know, did not have my dad didn't have a high school education. My mother did uh, finish high school, did one year of college, but never um completed her education and yet, um their lives were rich, and they poured so much into us. Um, we We grew up in a little little town, uh, Neptune, New Jersey. It's funny, I met my wife. She says, yeah, right. you know women are from Mars, men are from Venus, you know you're from Neptune, Neptune <laughs> but it was challenging. I mean, we did have a home in our fire. So we wound up having to live in a motel for a year while we were rebuilding that home. Um, I don't sleep with a pillow. Um, not that we don't have pillows. I don't sleep with the pillow to this day because for so many years, we didn't have the resources for me to have one. And I just became more comfortable just laying flat on the bed. So it's something that still carries forward from those humble, those humble beginnings. I did, um, had the uh, the blessing of finishing school in New Jersey, tra- transitioning off, going off to college, and getting into a corporate career. Um, originally worked for, I say I worked in the hospitality industry. Uh, what, okay. what that means is I was a manager for Church's Chicken.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: but it took getting robbed at gunpoint three times before I realized that um, the family I had started uh, had had greater value. And my life had greater value than allowing myself to stay in that circumstance. And that was in the New Orleans market where I lived at the time. And so, uh, you know, look, had to do something different, went back to school uh, and got a better job. <laughs> but even in that, it was getting those, um, I guess, those annual renewals that were, you know, you max out at 4%, or in the case may be, even if you got a promotion, um, it's still someone else dictating how much you were worth. And that's when, after having bought my first home and discovering a real estate appraisal, that divine intervention kicked in and said that, hey, you can actually go and be an entrepreneur and, and determine your own worth. And that's mm-hmm. been some very rewarding, which subsequently wound up creating Investor Cosby. I became a real estate appraiser, built a firm, sold that firm, and then went into the information marketing space, offering real estate valuation data, training, coaching, guidance to investors, which originally was domestically, but expanded to internationally. We've got clients as far away as Italy and Europe, um, the UK, and all the way to Asia and to Australia. It's literally more than I could have ever dreamed of. The relationships and the experiences that have been built and lived as a result of taking that walk of faith and getting away Um, From corporate life and being an entrepreneur is, again, it's more than I ever dreamed of, especially being a little
0: punk kid from Uh New Jersey. All right. So when did it click for you that real estate was the lane, was your passion?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Again, I was at the closing table uh, buying that first home. And um, I just finished, uh, within a short period of time, my accounting degree. And so Mm -hmm. this love of numbers translated to seeing the appraiser report. It's like this 20 page legal document and you start turning the pages and you get to the point where you're looking at data about the two or three, the house you're buying and the comparables and stuff. And so I wound up doing what was the square footage adjustments and the dollar to averages utilizing ratios in my head. Um, I mentioned that um, you're doing the property you're buying and the other comparables and they were pictures of those properties, LaTroy, and they were on the paper, not take to the paper, but on the paper. And that told me they were taken with a digital camera. I'm a gadget guy through and through. So I didn't need a reason to buy a digital camera. I needed an excuse. And I was looking at it. And then uh, because it was this 20 pages, there was this database management software that was moving information about the property I was buying and the other comparables all throughout the report. And so accounting, gadget, software. It just spoke to me. And I, I asked my real estate agent, you know, what is this? And he said, well, that mm-hmm. is the real estate appraisal. And that's how the bank determines the value of the assets such that they would be willing to lend on the property. And I turned to my wife and I said, listen, I, I don't know what this is, but I could do it. And again, subsequently it was a real estate appraisal. So that stayed in the back of my mind. And while I was still working at a corporate, I thought about, it, I thought about, it, I thought about like what would go into this. Man, I think I really would enjoy doing that. So literally it was a divine intervention moment for me. I went ahead, went to appraisal school, took a buyout from my corporate job, and literally have never looked back. Being able to apply those valuation principles to real estate investing has been life giving for myself and all the clients that we've been able to serve over the la- nearly the last two decades. At Detroit. the thing about real estate that gives me such a unique advantage that I'm able to share on a very, very broad basis is that is the, it's not about what the property is worth. When you're investing, you need to simultaneously know what's the best acquisition value, what, what's to be the best price that you can acquire that piece, piece of real estate, but then also be able to look at your exit strategies Because you are determining what is going to be the accurate repair value. How much could I remarket it for? How much would a rehabber, if they do certain finishes, be able to sell that property for if I just wholesale it? It's having that and being able to share that feeling of confidence and complete sense of control that you know you're going to make a profit on that transaction that has driven and provided such a great platform for others to be successful. Um, if you're if you're relying on someone to tell you hey it's a good deal, and here's the data and you should do this deal without the capacity to go back and trust but verify utilizing a tool that we like the tool we built at investor comps um, you'll be in a world of hurt because real estate is not for the faint of heart but when you have the right tools and knowledge and resources, you can do very 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 well time and time and time again. So that's kind of how I came to real estate. And really why I believe having and taking a valuation-first approach is so extremely powerful,
0: Detroit. All right. Well, you you sort of mentioned investor comps. Tell us about your company and how it helps real estate investors.
1: Yeah. Um, the basic dynamic was as a real estate appraiser, that you go out to different mortgage companies and and, and investing vehicles, and that's how you drum up your business. And so by talking with different real estate agents, I was introduced to real estate investors. And and that's pretty cool because normally your um, appraisal, you get paid like 350 bucks and that's nice. But when you're doing investing appraisals, you have to do income statements and um, you have to provide rental analysis and things of that nature. So you get paid a little bit more. You get paid like $650 for those appraisals and it's rewarding. But then you go to the closing table and they're issuing the checks, and you see that you're getting paid six hundred and fifty, dollars and the investor is getting made $15,000, $35,000, and it, it lets you know that, hey, maybe there's another aspect to what you're doing in real estate that can be advantageous, but the investor doesn't have the capacity to deliver on and know what is a good investment without the appraisal side. There's other aspects to it, but the appraisal has a significant component. And what happened was I had a number of investors that came to me and said, "MJ, when you told me not to do this deal, why was that? And how did you make that determination?" Well, again, it's being in the field, utilizing the data, and seeing maybe because this is on a cul-de-sac, you're not going to get as much traffic to that property. So, in the time frame you're trying to turn that deal, it's not the best one. Maybe. It's because of some functional obsolescence with the floor plan. Maybe an addition that's been done where you have to walk through a kitchen to get to a bedroom or something like that, or you have to walk actually through a kitchen, to a bathroom to get to a bedroom. Mm -hmm. Those are things where you look at how much it would take to fix that floor plan and make it work. The investor would wind up giving back all his profit and not make a good margin. And so getting questions from investors as to how I saw deals, I couldn't respond to all of them. So Investor Comps was created to provide a platform for any number of people to be able to get information simultaneously, as well as submit information on our support desk so we can respond back in a timely fashion. And That's where Investor Comps came from. And again, initially it was just domestically, but then it grew to clients utilizing it to invest in U.S. real estate, but being outside of the country. Then... We got started teaching people how to do real estate investing. And the pandemic was just a marvelous way to demonstrate the power of investor costs. We had students that were outside the country that could not get back into the U.S., but yet they had to be able to provide for themselves. One of our people was in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and literally mm-hmm. was wholesaling deals up in Evansville, Indiana closing them, double closing and earning income into their bank account that they were able to use and utilize and live on while they were still in Argentina because the U.S. was closed. That's what makes having data and information and the tools that we teach to be able to invest anywhere from literally anywhere so very cool and investor costs. I absolutely love it. It, it, is a, it brings me great joy to be able to be a servant and have impact on
0: other people's lives. Beautiful. I mean, are there any special financial principles or practices that you find particularly important for investors to understand?
1: I think that um, one is just a belief that you can do it. Um, it doesn't require in what we teach to utilize your own credit or you know have a huge bank account or whatever the case may be. Um, you can do this by just using some basic tools and principles, following the teaching and training, allowing me to kind of be a guide so all those ladies and gentlemen or you know, seasoned individuals, young individuals can be the heroes in their, in their own lives. So um, again, as long as someone is teachable and willing to put some work into it, no different than you do with the uh, mm-hmm. podcast. I mean, the variety of audiences that you engage with, with GRR and TUT and SLL, um, being able to meet and communicate with other individuals, it's just uh, being willing to do the work. But for the same token... There are a lot of investors that are practice professionals. We have that are dentists and doctors and other individuals that all they're doing is deploying capital for passive income, but they're utilizing investor costs to make sure when a deal comes through that they can trust but verify to know that there's a good equity position so their principal is secure while they're earning good interest returns. So those are some of the things that we get into and share where you know what you need to know um, if you're just getting started on the active investing side, like the mm-hmm. question asks, or for those that have um larger sums of capital, they're deploying just for passive income growth. Um, it, it's a joy to be able to do this. But for the same token, Latroy, I mean, if you just look over my shoulder, Iron Man. Um, that's something that I have evolved into through the the fruits that have come from real estate. I mean, you you have to have you know, 15 hours a week of free time to go and bike and swim and run and and have the right nutrition and and be prepared. Not to mention, you know, these races are in different destinations. I've done races as far away as Italy. So you got to be able to shift your bike over there. You got to get over there. And then you got to pay to be in a race. But it's a life-giving activity. Ironman for me, is just a vehicle. I mean, I'm looking forward to celebrating my Fiftieth wedding anniversary, which is still a good ways down the road, but real estate has provided a platform for me to and my family to be able mm-hmm. to do things um, with a with a sense of freedom and comfort that um, maybe just a regular W two would not have allowed me to do given the skills and education I had otherwise. So, uh, real estate has been a blessing in any number of different ways. I mean, my son has done real estate transactions. My daughter's involved in the operations, the finance of our business. So she gets to see a number of different things. I get to teach and share these principles of taking evaluation first approach with people that have been doing it with us for a while, new folks that are coming in. I, and I look forward to the individuals that I haven't even met yet that will be able to teach right. life in a positive way through real estate. So there's a wealth of freedom, engagement, lifestyle, And that lifestyle could be just if you want to be a blessing to someone else and your needs are met and you want to be able to give because you have more to give, or if um, you you want to go uh, buy real estate in the Caribbean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into that. So I'm interested in owning real estate in the Caribbean. Um, Just talk about the differences that you've observed in the real estate valuation practices across different countries. And are there any unique challenges or opportunities you've encountered so far? So uh, I'm going to
1: go ahead and say that I I hold assets in the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that chaps my behind is when someone asked me, well, what about hurricanes down there? So it's a fourth. Latroy, in the last three years, there have been storms and hurricanes that have come through the Caribbean and come from. In around Puerto Rico and then up to the mainland US. You know, I, I'm gonna, you know, the leading question is ask me how many claims I've had for storms on the mainland versus Puerto Rico. And I'm just going to tell you, I've had eight in Georgia and Florida, zero in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and so right. the beautiful part about it in that question you ask is it has to do with the asset class. Everything that we do in Puerto Rico, the acquisition we acquire. It's all European-style construction. It's masonry with rebar. So the wind is not going to knock down concrete, okay? It's not going to blow the roof off of a concrete roof, whereas the frame assets that are wood and built here on the mainland, which shingle roof stuff like that, are impacted significantly by wind and heavy rain. So um, you the things that you deal with engaging in, like the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico, um, give you a much more viable, sustainable asset um, for uh, as compared to the mainland. One of the other things that we don't deal with with the assets we have there is there's no duct work. There's no HBA systems. These are homes where one, you don't need heat at all. And all of our clients' residents, they will bring their own appliances as well as window units for air condition or fans or whatever the case may be. So you actually minimize the holding and or carry costs for those assets as compared to a home that's built out of wood with sheetrock inside of it in a heavy humidity area that's susceptible to mold and mildew and high winds and floodwaters um, that make up homes that we have throughout the U.S. So uh, in, in my opinion, taking the time to actually focus on um, an area in the Caribbean, in particular, if you're just wetting your nose or getting your beak into doing real estate, you're going to have something in the Caribbean, having a U.S. territory where you don't need a passport to get there, you just take your driver's license, direct flights from any number of different places, and assets that are very, very sustainable. Um, Asset where you can rent it out and then go down and spend time there when you want to be there, let it be an income-producing property for you, is a great idea. Um, And then you have the benefit of being a U.S. citizen in the the territory of Puerto Rico to do that. Test the water. Then if you want to go to Costa Rica, if you want to go to Dominican Republic, you want to you know, try something in Jamaica or the case you have a basis to operate from and know, okay, what type of asset, what location, what would I want to do and learn how to engage and buy property, how you have to take it under title. In Puerto Rico, you can do it the same way. You can have it in your name. You have an LLC. Those type of things are very, very transferable and transportable from the mainland right to the US territory. I hope that helps.
0: Yeah, I think so. Cause I was a few years ago, I purchased a book on um, like overseas real estate. And it seemed like the focus was on the DR, on like Santo Domingo as a great place to invest. I had been sort of watching real estate there until, you know, things clear up with this wedding situation and move into Miami. So that's sort of where my head had been. But yeah, Puerto Rico, uh, I'm going to have to do some research into. In the Puerto Rico as well.
1: Well, there's actually some other benefits to being in Puerto Rico as well. Uh, if you establish residency there, um, one for your own living and lifestyle, and then for your business activities, providing export services back to the mainland, uh, you can actually reduce your federal tax rate down to four percent. Only pay four percent federal tax, where you know, based on active income, I know mine is twenty four percent. Um, others are going to be a little bit higher, a little bit lower. Um, to reduce that down to 4% can be very, very, very attractive, especially living in a place that is just gorgeous. The temperature only changes 9 to 10 degrees per year. Amazing beaches, wonderful people. Um, four different ecosystems is dry and sandy on the southwest side near Ponce and um, there's beautiful beaches in Rincón where they do world-class surfing. There's wonderful boating and marinas on the east side near um, Forjado. And then you have the barrier islands of Culebra and Vieques. In Culebra, uh, Playa Flamenco is rated by Condé Ness and Travel Magazine one of the top 10 beaches in the world every year. And that's right there as part of the U.S., in the territory of Puerto Rico. So there is a wealth to offer both not only in terms of freedom, lifestyle, housing, stuff like that, but also significant tax advantages that come with being there as well. So I don't know, you might want to just you know have some part-time stuff in Miami and, and be in Puerto Rico full-time because you're not going to get that those significant benefits on the same scale being in San really? Domingo or maybe Costa Rica or some of these other places. I mean, there's nothing wrong. Everybody has determined what's best for them. But I realized that because of my activity and being in there, I, in some degree, I'm probably a walking, talking commercial for Puerto Rico. So I have I have to admit I'm biased.
0: Okay, cool. So like, based on your extensive international and domestic portfolio, like, what is your strategy as far as looking for investments? Is it based on places that uh, you have? an immense affinity for? Or is it like, say like Detroit a few years ago where there were a lot of deals um, on real estate and you're like, I'm, I should get in now uh, before uh, the prices go up. Like what was your strategy? I
1: love that yeah. phrasing. You used two th- one, one particular affinity. What market area does anyone that's listening to this or seeing it, you know, what area do you have an affinity for? Because we do believe in virtual investing. It's what we teach that you can invest anywhere from anywhere. Um, And then you said Detroit. Well, in uh, 2009 through 2016, I was like, I have no interest in going to Detroit, being there. uh, I've seen the decline in population, the blight that has taken there so and so forth. But in December of 2016, actually went there on the ground with someone that's from the area, spent two days driving different marketers, doing different analysis, and looking at the trends in terms of employment, um, distribution centers coming in, what's happening in Michigan and actually bolstering them to to do some type of comeback now that uh, the automotive business is not the core of the um, income and jobs there. So um, being on the ground, I did some analysis, saw the type of assets, again, masonry construction, steel I-beams in the basements, the rental rates, the population started to come back up. It was keen time to go ahead and dip my foot in the water. So we started acquiring assets in Detroit. Once we built a solid knowledge base around it, and could see where it would produce tangible, meaningful income on a passive basis. Even though I live in Salt Lake, and my companies are based in Atlanta. Another um, example of that is we have some family assets that we maintain, and this goes back to the affinity. My my mother's family is from. Uh, Darlington and Florence, South Carolina, right there where ninety-five and twenty intersect, the two interstates, and so mm-hmm. we've held on to some family assets that were um, not uh, inherited, but that we were able to acquire from uh, that went from my great uncles to my grandmother to uh, my, my my uncle, my mother's brother, uh, and then we've been able to sustain us. My mother has a couple of properties there, so we maintain a portfolio remotely in that corridor of South Carolina because we have an affinity for family activity that is there. And those resources that are produced and spit off cash flow are put aside for future members of the family, for their education and well-being in life. So there are some specific strategies as to where we will go, why we would go, in, and the timing of it. I mean, it's, it's ironic that you said affinity and Detroit in that engagement but we also do business in Baltimore, Maryland. We do business just outside Gary, Indiana, because there's people that want more affordable homes and less tax basis out of Chicago. Now, we do a wealth of activity still in Metro Atlanta. Used to live there. Know that market very well. Have a strong affinity for it. So again, I admire, um, it must be just, again, going back to divine intervention that you said affinity and and they hit on one of the markets that I could speak to definitively about that. That, that was pretty cool. Thank, thanks for- set me up for that question.
0: Yeah, cuz I know like with the Midwest, like every time I'll see an article say on Yahoo or Google about places where you could um get into real estate for cheap, it's always the Midwest. It's always your Michigan, your Ohio's, your um Indiana's, um you know, places in the the heartland. And um it's like, yeah, you could see like a fifteen hundred square foot home, and they'll be selling it for like 40, 50 thousand and you're like, uh, you're thinking, is this a, is this a, um, is this legit or like, like what, what sort of neighborhood is this in? Or I mean, is the house house still standing on all of its foundation? So yeah, that's why I had to bring up Detroit because I know, like, especially after, I think like Kwame Kilpatrick's. Um uh, tenure as mayor, how that went down, you know, people soured on the area so much. Yeah, that's true. And
1: being able to utilize the different tools are out there. We have um, resources that actually provide discounted property. Um, it's just our, our motivated seller leads. And so, you know, if you have an affinity for um, right there at the Kansas, Missouri line in um, uh, Kansas city, if you have an affinity for St. Louis, if you have an affinity for uh, maybe being in Tulsa or Oklahoma City. Uh, these are all you know, essentially what you refer to as red states to some degree. Um, you have to be very careful and be mindful that you want to be in a state that has that is landlord-friendly. If you're going to be holding assets and or taking them under contract and reselling them. Now, you don't want to be in a situation where you got to get in litigation just to release an asset or move somebody out of a property. Uh, not that you can't do and be successful in states that are that are not landlord-friendly, but Stack the cards in your favor is what we like to teach and care and share. But yeah, if you're in a market area on, on the coast or, you know, again, in Miami and you see uh, 50 square feet, you're normally seeing that that's three, 400,000, 325,000 and you turn around and you see 50 square feet and it's 55 or 45 or whatever, it, it, you have to get into the data and be able to look at something. Um, to be able to justify how and why that would be the case. So it, it does take a good bit of care, but it can be done, literally. Uh, this virtual investing is very, very real. It's something that I, I enjoy teaching and caring to share. And it's, it, it's changed a lot of people's lives, no differently than that was in Buenos Aires and being able to make a living while they couldn't come back to the States for six months. Dr. Todd McLean provides periodontal and dental implant services in two convenient locations. They offer over a decade of experience treating patients and appointments can even be scheduled in the evenings, weekends, or early mornings. Give them a call in Chapel Hill at 919-537-9774 or Enduro at 919-484-8338 or visit them online at gumsandimplants.org.
0: You're in the process of completing your first book. Um, just talk about just talk about what we should expect. Give us a little sneak peek.
1: Yeah, so this is um the, uh, the, th- this is the third book, but um I've done some collaborations. Oh, sorry. On about that. That. Well, no, not challenge at all. Um, but this is actually this is actually the third individual one as well, and this is virtual investing victory. Um, but also the there's a subsequent to that that's going to be ultimate freedom through virtual real estate investing. It really provides a, a glimpse into some wonderful success stories. It starts dealing with and getting into those dynamics of having an affinity for a market area, being able to look and see who the buyers and sellers are in those marketers. How do you actually determine if in fact uh, it's an area that has population growth? Is it an area that actually has rental growth? Is it an area that has job growth. And if it doesn't have all of those, which ones do you need to lean on? And then we talk about just the dynamics of having that confidence and sense of control that you can deploy capital, you can actively engage in that market area that is away from you by a county or a state or across the country for that matter, and do so with a measure of great confidence. So really looking forward to sharing the dynamics of a little bit of more of my backstory, in that and then how mm-hmm. i utilize all of that walk as a real estate appraiser to have good success not only for myself but to support and be a servant leader to others that's really going to be the the content of the book i'm excited about the work that put into it and how it's going to touch lives going forward
0: right all right so like let's talk about faith um i know that uh, faith you know play is an integral part, of personal and professional life. Uh, let's talk about how it influences your decision-making and business practices. I
1: believe every day that we should arise to live, that first and foremost, we awaken with gratitude. And that comes from our creator and in a very simple way. Look, it, when you wake up and you know who you are, and then you can get up and get mm-hmm. motoring on your way. And again, getting moving around is, is, has different meaning for a number of different physical around the world. But that awakening with gratitude comes from a, a really significant acknowledgement of our creator. And then that permeates everything else that goes into the day, realizing truly that anything is possible. Um, that uh, we just need to have some intentional focus. That it's important that we strengthen our minds and our bodies. These these temples that are that that house these wonderful spirits that are inside of us. The more that we you know eat living food, uh, things that we can identify and leave the processed stuff alone, then we honor that temple, which is also part of our faith walk. And as a result, we can execute with excellence on the desires of our heart. But it starts with each and every day awakening with gratitude and acknowledging our creator that that those, those little things those those five simple principles all have a faith element tied to them and i just believe that the more that we do arrive to live every day awakening with gratitude um out we can't help but have a stronger faith life and again that faith life can be in you know It could be through Christianity, it could be through Judaism, it could be through Catholicism. Uh, We all know that there is but just one God, one creator. And taking a faith walk, not only in developing um, how we live into the world, but then in the work that we do is nothing more than putting on for display and gratitude the wonderful gifts that have been stowed uh, into us. I think I go back to you know Marian Anderson's uh, poem, you know, who are you to think that you're not worthy of greatness um, as part of her engagement when literally we are far more than we ever could imagine or believe i I, I should go back and start committing that poem to to memory. I don't want I, I know which you I claim it as my own. I you know we give credit, but man, what what mm-hmm. powerful words that she wrote and shared through her music and through her writing that can touch each and every one of our lives in a very positive way.
0: All right. So MJ, uh, you you spoke earlier about that work-life balance. And I think one of the extracurricular activities you enjoy most is golf. Um, Just talk about some of the parallels between that game and the world of real estate. Uh, What sort of valuable lessons or strategies from golf do you apply to to the um, real estate valuation process? Sure.
1: well, you know golf is really unique in that it's the it's one if not the only sport where you call penalties on yourself. There's a great amount of individual accountability, and trustworthiness and and certainly perseverance that comes into playing the game of golf. Um, when you're doing a real estate transaction, there's a certain amount of um, planning and preparation and resource you have to do. When you're about to hit a golf shot, it's important that you, analyze the direction that you want the ball to go and align yourself appropriately. And then you, if you want to hit the shot 110 yards versus 150 yards, there's a certain tool, a different club that you need, a different set of data that you apply to what it is you're trying to accomplish as you move forward in, in creating your score in the golf game. So I, I use those parallels, interchanging the dynamics from real estate to the game of golf, Very, very fluidly, and they all definitely do apply. So yes, we want to look at the transaction we're engaging in, knowing that we've got the right information, so that whatever it is we're trying to get to in terms of exit strategy, if it's going to be a rental, if it's going to be a wholesale deal, if we're going to rehab it, if we're going to do a retail flip, or if we're going to do uh, an opportunity that data says the best deal for this is just to bring in someone that wants to own the home and wants to fix it up themselves. We kind of call that a hotel deal, not resale, not hotel, but hotel. Um, There are all these little aspects of being intentional, uh, looking at what direction you want to go and what result result you want to achieve when you're progressing that ball from the tee box into uh, the cup on the green, transfer very, very seamlessly to real estate. I guess the other part about it is the relationship building that takes place. I cannot begin to describe to you how many deals, um, either acquiring real estate, um, uh, engaging with new clients that want to deploy capital, I've done on the golf course and the conversations about the real estate and what we do um, with individuals on the golf course has happened time and time and time and time again. Um, I love the fact that you're out in nature, that typically you're, if you're not in the sunshine, you're, you maybe it's a little cloudy day, or maybe it's even drizzling. You get to experience going back to the faith walk, the wonder of this creation, this planet that we live on when you're out and about playing golf. And subsequently, you get to see the impact that you have on any number of different people's lives from the person that works the desk and answers the phone when you call up to turn the power on in a neighborhood to the closing attorney that's actually preparing and getting the docs recorded, which then go to the courthouse. And that person that's doing the digital or manual recording, you get to touch so many lives in the engagement of doing real estate. And um, all that comes back to um, paralleling the relationships that you have on the golf course that you built and Mm -hmm. then doing the transaction. They intertwine in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, I definitely wanted to ask you that question. I interviewed um, a guy recently. His name's Christopher Everett, and he's um, he's he's got an organization called Go for It, where he's um, providing opportunities for um, people from underprivileged communities to learn the game of golf, kind of make it more diverse. So every every uh, um, May, he has a tournament down here in South Florida where um, he partners with the local YMCA he has like 200 youth and they have a weekend where uh, they teach the, the, um, the skills, the tools of golf have a, a scholarship dinner and just provide an opportunity to, uh, teach the kids. And it's, it's also at a black owned golf course, um, down here. Phenomenal. So, I mean, is it go for it with an E in the four? Yeah. So it's G-O then four F F-O-R-E then it with an exclamation point.
1: I love it. Please do share Chris's information. We're doing a, uh, this is more of the life-giving aspects that have come out of real estate. Uh, we have set up a nonprofit called 50 and 40, a first team mission. And several associates and I beginning June 10th of 2024, are going to be playing 50 golf courses, one in each of the 50 states in only 40 days, and we'll be visiting 30 First Tee programs. The First Tee program is a youth development program, very similar to what Chris is doing with Go For It, and they need public funding. So we're going to be bringing attention across the country, going from Pasadena, California, Going east and going north and west and then all the way to Alaska and Hawaii, bringing attention to all of these first T programs so that they can get a bigger um, platform for exposure as through the game of golf with teachers, as Chris knows, honesty, perseverance, trustworthiness, uh, all these things that engage and make much better young lives across the country. First T provides the golf equipment. Um, the training, uh, has uh, has the young people out on the facilities. All that is done through the benefits of funding that's provided to the First T program. And we're looking forward to bring great attention to that. But again, even that activity is only something that can be visualized when you have time to think, to be beyond just what your own needs are. And that's the beauty of what real estate provides, that ongoing continuous income, whether you're doing individual deals or Deals that are providing just passive income from it. it gives you great capacity to live beyond just your regular means to so go for it. I love the name. That's why I asked, was it F O R E? Because that ties the golf right into it.
0: Thanks. So yes, yeah, definitely. Sure that. Yep.
1: Four. Four. <laughs> let's wrap up. Share me. Let, let's engage. I'd love to get Chris's information.
0: All right. Yeah, sure. I'll share it in the chat afterwards and link you two up because, I mean, he's doing amazing things. You know, he wrote a book as well title go for it as well. So yeah, check it out. Yeah. So I'm curious because, um, we've talked about your affinity and owning property, you know, trying to keep it within the family and then places that you love to visit, but also being very, um, data focused. So like how much of it, like, do you ever let your emotions come into play when, when you're involved in this game because I I can see it both ways. I can see like staying data focused, but then you see something and it's love at first sight. And it's like, even if there's a possibility that I could lose money on this, I don't care because I'm just in love with the property or the investment. So just, just tell me about that.
1: No, that that's simple. We are never emotionally attached to any deal. Never, never. Okay, I've I've worked with over the years and you know they get their first deal and it's like, I got on a contract and I'll tell them, throw that puppy back. And they're just crushed. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, I got on a contract. This has got to be it. It's like, no, Um, I assure you based on location and again, data that that's not gonna be the one. However, there's been a number of circumstances. I said, listen, um, it's not just, it's not the deal. It's not the location. It's not certain. It's just the prices are right. Listen, just go back and bid this counter offer this price. If you get it here at this price, then you'll be in a good position. And certainly there are times where that has worked just fine. Uh, there's times where it hasn't come to fruition. But over and over again, we know that deals will come back to us. I've got story after story. Um, there's a the deal I did early on in my career and just being willing to let it go. Um, a mother, uh, had moved her and her husband to Texas. They had a property in jo- uh, Jonesboro, Georgia, and, um, mm-hmm. the daughter had lived in the house for a few months, uh, probably, probably, probably over a year, but then the daughter was ready to go move out and get another place. So now the house is vacant. They're still carrying the mortgage. Uh, the lady followed up with me on a, I buy houses lead that uh, she filled out. I gave her a call, we talked about it, we worked out the numbers, and then I didn't hear from her. And I was wondering, you know, what happened? And so uh, probably within a few weeks, I just called her back. I said, listen, she was working with another investor as well. So I said, ma'am, I just wanted to ask, what happened that you decided to go with the other investor and not with me? And she just said, well, I actually didn't go with the other investor. I'm still looking to move the property. And then we were able to to work on the term. So again, I was willing to let the property go, but I was in that situation, I just wanted to find out what could I have done better. And that was early on in my best in career. But you have to be willing to let the asset go, Um, not just do it at all costs, because doing all costs can come back to bite you very, 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 very deeply. So again, never emotionally attached to any transaction. You just cannot do it. And certainly we do say that real estate is not for the faint of heart. You've got to have some fortitude.
0: Okay. So, I mean, are there any other disclaimers for um, those that are new to the game? Because I know there is like a growing amount of skepticism when it comes to um, people, I guess, putting their trust in some of the um, influencers per se, like real estate influencers. And they don't really see a return, a profit return, and and then like they're suing the person that they either put faith in or lost a lot of money. So you know, feel free to put out a disclaimer.
1: Yeah, I think it's important. um, Yeah, again, you know, past results are no indicator of future results, and so forth. But here's the thing: this is this is the thing I love about the space I'm in. Because I teach again from a valuation perspective and I offer investor comps. As I'm talking about the different types of transactions we do, I I do Monday Moments with MJ every week on my Facebook page. Um, We do a wealth of training through investor comps. Um, But every transaction I talk about, anybody inside the investor comps community or wants to join a community, they can go look up the exact address I'm talking about from 2005 or 2001 or 2011 or 2016 or 2021 or 2022, they can actually see and pull the address and see when it was acquired, what it sold for, the dates that it went for. That gives me a, a positioning where, you know, the trustworthy just kind of goes out the window because you can verify each and everything I talk about. Um, in other circumstances, that's not always the case. Yes. You want to have someone, if they're teaching You want to know the deals they've done. Where are the settlement statements that actually indicate the transaction that they've been engaged in? Um, You'll find that anytime I'm sharing information, I don't redact um, the buyers, the sellers, the prices, the address. All of that is transparent because, again, you can go back and verify it on the very data that I teach about. So um, I'm in a very unique position based on the question that you asked. The only other caveat is that everyone has to do their own work. A number of folks that have come through investor and have touched it, you know, kind of you know, massage and and been engaged, but haven't really put in the work necessary for their own good success. Uh, we talk about these three basic principles when it comes to um, those that are out there and engaging. One, you, there's only three reasons why you don't do things, and one is if you don't have the knowledge. Well, even if you're looking to engage with someone, you want to know that you have the knowledge and tools or gain knowledge and tools to be successful. Um, you, again, you want to have those tools. You may gain the knowledge, but if you don't have the time or you know, the right computer or you know, transportation or whatever the case may be, the access to capital, uh, even if you have the knowledge without the tools, you still can't complete the task or achieve the goal that you're going after. And But once you have the knowledge and you have the tools readily available with no excuses, then the only reason that new people that are engaging in real estate um, for wholesaling and or flipping is because they don't care. They have to individually care enough to apply the knowledge and tools so they can be successful in in, in their own right. Rather than going back and pointing a finger and said, you know, someone didn't make it happen for me. And again, that's in all stages of life. I've worked with those that are. Older than I, younger than I, same age as I, whatever the case may be. It's that intentional engagement or work ethic that takes the knowledge and tools and the willingness to care about the work that they're doing that makes for the best success. So that that that's how I approach that dynamic, Latroy. When it comes to someone that you know is trying to figure out if this is real, if if it's going to work, you got you, you have to be willing to do
0: some work as well. All right. All right. Appreciate that. Uh, so MJ, what what do you find most rewarding?
1: Um, man, being a, a husband, being a dad, um, a grandfather, um, a mentor to others is um, those life experiences, those relationships. I have a good friend that um, recently expressed that he had a, he had a, an associate that passed away. And the phrasing that he uses is that life is made up of relationships and the experiences that come from those relationships. And the more that those relationships are fruitful and life-giving, um, that's the thing that we take the most enjoyment from. Um, just this past weekend, um, actually, I did a Facebook post today, and it's so layered when it comes to these relationships and experiences and those things that give give joy. Um, I, I, I sponsored a golf tournament in Georgia uh, in, uh, mid April. And that was done by one of mm-hmm. my team members that is for the Jack and Jill foundation. Well, there's a really good friend that I hadn't seen for a while, but he's a golfer. And I said, listen, I would love for you to come be on my team. Come play with me, um, with my son. And, I. and he did, you know, he's like, you he mean, like, yeah, I man, I haven't seen a long time. Let's come together. Well, I, I talked about this 50 and 40 project. Well, as we finished up the golf, we had a great time after we took first place as well. Got a nice trophy for it. Uh, but uh, I told him about the new project we were doing. And he, I asked him, he said, well, what, what can I, what, I'm looking for someone to help me with marketing and raising capital. He says, well, I know just the guy. And he puts me in touch with one. Said, we have a good conversation. That gentleman opens his Rolodex, puts me in touch with several other people. And I follow up with them. Well, I went to go play golf with this one gentleman this past weekend. And while we're sitting down and having a meal after uh, the round of golf, someone else that he knows walks up, we tell him about the project, and he's all in. I mean, literally, to getting corporate financing and stuff in there. So all that does is go back and speak to being and having relationships that produce unique and very, very special. Special experiences. That those are the things that are, I get excited about each and every day as as I uh, arise to live and
0: encourage others to do so as well. Okay. All right. So as we prepare to close, MJ, you know, feel free to plug whatever you need to plug. Investor comps, the new book. You know how we can find you. Um, places that I need to look at in Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, just whatever you need to plug.
1: I'll start with the last one first. I'll actually be down there the entire month of August. When, when's your wedding day?
0: September 2nd.
1: There you go. So I'll be down there the entire month of August. Let's stay in touch. Come on down join me. I've got a really nice ability to stay there. I've got some other friends that are coming. Um, come get a lay of the land. See what's there. If, if in fact, you haven't traveled before, you may have. But let me extend that mm-hmm. invitation um, to you. In terms of getting in to touch with me, it's simple. TheMarkJackson.com. Um, certainly, there's resources there. There's ways to get in touch with the team where we can schedule calls and engage with anyone that wants to find out a little bit more about what we do in real estate, uh, deploying capital, learning how to invest anywhere from anywhere. That's the markjackson.com is the best way to reach out and touch bases. And, and Detroit, I can't thank you enough. This has been life giving and you about what you do with the Four Media Podcast. Thanks so much for the invitation. I, I'm grateful to have had the time to care. And share with you and the audience.
0: All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise uh, from Neptune, New Jersey, sleeping on a bed without a pillow to church's chicken to investor cops. <laughs> You've seen it all.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and for Stop Looking Listen, I'm your host, Latroy Gardner. See you next week. Peace and blessings.